How's everybody doing? Now, hang on just a second. Now, how was the first service? Like, they were jacked up by the time we got to this point, and I just said, how's everybody doing? And you're like, hey. Like, are you, is everybody happy today? Because I, I'm, I'm pretty excited that we started with happy just because uh, I told you all for the last couple weeks that's what I want to start with. So uh, I haven't asked for this, and I'm not promising anything, but I think that's a pretty good way to start worship, don't y'all? Because... Because I'm happy. Okay, that's, that's all y'all need from me. But anyway, listen, let me tell y'all why I'm, I am happy today. And it's not just because we sang that song. Uh, matter of fact, that song really isn't what leads us to be happy, right? At least for a long period of time. We might have momentary happiness and it might put a smile on our face. And you might watch me and Corey and I was sort of trying to play the, the note. And so you might laugh at me. And Although I didn't even know that pedal dude made the rare old sound, so I'll, I'm pretty excited today because I've learned something. So Corey, he taught me and he didn't even know it because I, I was watching you. So anyway, but that's not why I'm happy. I'm happy because of the last song, that he loves us. And listen, I, I'm happy because I, I, I have joy, I should say, because I, I look at me and I say, dude, God should not use me because I have so many issues from my past that if God held my sins against me of what I did before today that not only would I not be used but I would be headed for sure destruction and and that's the truth now some people don't want the pastor to say that because they want the pastor to be perfect but the truth is none of them are anyway and and the truth is I feel so grateful it puts a smile on my face honestly when I think about the way he loves us Oh, how he loves us. And that's why I'm happy today. And this is what I'm really, really encouraged about. I think this is going to be a message right now that hopefully will change the way that you think about church. It, it's not necessarily going to change the way you think in general, but maybe it will. But, but I hope it changes the way that you think about church because we're hopefully going to have a shift. So how many of y'all, just by show of hands, are on Facebook, y'all, excuse me, are on Facebook or Twitter or social media? How many of y'all are on there? Okay, keep your hands up if, keep your hands up if, so keep them up so far. Put them down if you're not either friends with me or one of the staff members at the church, if we're, if we're not friends. So how many of y'all have seen the hashtag that we have done probably 150 times in the last, was it three or four weeks? How many of y'all have seen that? Someone call it out. Yes! Praise the Lord! We are four points. So what in the world does we are four points mean? Because those jokers are hashtagging it, hashtag, and I'm asking y'all, hashtag, to do that as well. Because this is why, y'all ready? This is why. At the moment, at the moment that we become an army, and I don't mean like an angry army, shooting people. I mean like an army of love and of serving and of growing and today uniting. At the point that we are the body, it's the point that we change the world. It's the point that we change the world. And the only alternative to that, the only alternative to that is to say, you know what? Like, y'all are going to see what this means in a minute, but it represents how much I can be used by God. And we look at ourselves and say, dude, you stand up and preach every week, and, like, you have that ability. Some, people, some of y'all think that. Yeah, you have that ability. And then our freaking band, are they awesome? I mean, good grief. Are they awesome? Y'all need, that's good. It's a good time to clap. Are they awesome? I mean, like, I'm blown away. I'm just telling y'all, like, I'm not joking when I say when Corey was doing the dude and stepping on it, meow, I didn't know it made the cat sound, so I'm pretty, that's awesome. Like, 
And I can't, I, I sing really loud. Some of y'all, I'm by the speaker now, so hopefully it's muffling it out. But I sing as loud because I, wanna, I want the Lord to know that I'm making a joyful noise. But it's not real joyful to y'all. It's just joyful to me and hopefully God, right? So, so but when I hear them, I'm like, doggone Shannon and, and Brian together, man, they make sweet music, huh? And then, and then Travis can play every instrument. He's a wizard. And Ben is incredible, and he's got good vocals. Corey's doing his thing. Patty's amazing. Morgan's back there beating on the drums. All of them are amazing. I, I'm not that. And this is what we get. This is our mindset. I'm not any of those. I'm not on the stage, so I can't be used. Today, the goal is to shift because if that's not the case, and if we don't believe we can be greatly used by God, if we don't believe that God wants to change the world through us, then we begin to have an attitude. And if you've never done this, that is amazing. But I know that I have. We begin to have the attitude where we're comfortable and we want to be fed only. And we, we don't really care if God greatly uses us. We just, we just want to get ours. And it may not be anybody in this room. I hope it's not. But, but I don't, and by the way, I don't think anybody in this room consciously thinks that's what I want. But if we're not doing our part, the finger, the toe, the kneecap, Every part of the body. At the minute that we say, you know what, someone else will get it. Someone else will invite people to church. More importantly than that, because I want you to. But much more important than that, those people don't have Jesus. Pastor Mark will tell them about it on Facebook. No one cares about my Facebook page. Do y'all understand that? They want to know what the man is, and I can't know all of them, but you can. They can see your life and see the finished work that Jesus did in you and see that he's different. And so we, we make this decision every day. If this is our attitude. Because do you know what I believe about church? And I'm not talking about this church, and I promise you, I'm not talking about any church in general. I'm not talking about any per church in general, I promise you. But I believe if we were to poll people who have never been in church before, this is one thing that they would feel. I'm comfortable, and we're full. This first service was absolutely packed. Second service is a good crowd. If we get much more full than that, I'm not going to know everybody. I'm not sure I'll be comfortable. What if I don't know Pastor Mark anymore? Like what? I like it like this. At the point that we feel that way and we say, you know what, man, Josh is an awesome like, volunteer leader. He's doing an amazing job. He communicates. Everybody knows the information. And, and Austin does all these crazy videos and all of our tech stuff. Like they got it, right? I don't need to do that. And just because you don't think that talking to someone in the parking lot is a big deal, I am telling you the message does start in the parking lot. That in the first nine minutes, a person has already decided if they will come back to the church on average when they walk into this place, and I have never spoken a word. For, for some of that, it gives me great hope because hopefully I don't stink bad enough where they will come back. But even if they don't, if the people in the parking lot were kind to them and then at check-in and then at guest services and then all throughout, they've made their decision by the time the band cranks up. The message starts in the parking lot and is being preached right now in that room because your kids are getting loved on by people that love your kids and love Jesus. And our hope and prayer is that every single Sunday is somebody's one day that changes the world. But we have to decide, is this our attitude or not? 
And of course none of you would put this in the front yard of the church. Of course that is so brash and over the top. But I'm telling you what we say and even what we write down does not speak as loudly as our actions do to them out there. Because they look at us and they say, I don't really want what they have. Because he isn't happy. And listen, I know some of y'all, Morgan, this isn't personal. I know some of y'all have had awful weeks. So I can't be happy, dude, if you knew my circumstances. I'm telling you, you can. I'm telling you, you can. My face feels like someone is smashing it with a vice, and then an elephant is sitting on it. My allergies are jacked up. I look like a raccoon just on the left side, like I've had an allergy stroke. And so I got this headache going. But that doesn't change how I feel about Jesus. I may not always feel in love, but I have so much joy because of Christ. So this is what I want for y'all. I want you to consider this thought. Am I part of the body, meaning the team, that is changing the world? Do I look at the pastor who is a loud mouth and say he'll do it all? Because the choice is this. How many of y'all seen Monty Python? Holy Grail. I'm so impressed. That's most of us. It's but a scratch. I'm going to show y'all right now the choice. Listen, the choice we have to be the body or to be a head with no arms and legs and be a loud mouth. Watch. I move for no man. Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that then? I've heard worse. You liar. <laughs> Victory is mine. Yes, I have. Look. Just a flesh wound. Look, stop that. Chicken. Chicken. Look, I'll have your leg. Right. I'm invincible. You're a loony. The Black Knight always triumphs. All right, we call it a draw. Come, Patsy. Oh, oh, I see. Running away. <laughs> Y'all are like, come on, man. Are you serious? You just showed that. But, like, isn't that really how a lot of churches operate? I'm invincible. It's but a flesh wound. Right? The pastor is loud and telling the world, we will take over. You can't cross here. We have Jesus. And the truth is, there no, there's no arms and legs at all. No arms and legs at all. It's a loud mouth. And this guy has a really loud mouth. That looks the part at first. And acts the part. But the truth is, when the enemy comes up, there's no we are four points. There's an I am four points. There's no we are Christ followers, it's the pastor will handle it, or the staff will handle it, or that guy, man, he's really living for Jesus. Today, we're finishing our sermon series on guardrails, and um, a guardrail is a system that is designed to keep vehicles from straying into off-limits, or dangerous and off-limits areas, and y'all know what they are. I saw on the news last night a car wreck by barely missing a guardrail, and it was uh, real bad. I, I didn't um, hear how it turned out. But it was bad, and so they're, they're, they're aimed for our safety and for our freedom and for being all that we can be on this earth and not get in trouble. But personal guardrails are a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of our conscience. And when, when unity and when being together 
becomes a matter of who we are, it changes the game. And, and, and at the point that I say, I am part of this body, this house, it is not about this building, these lights, these screens, the guardrails behind me. It is not about the stage that we extended or the things that we're trying to do. And I know some of y'all have noticed some of them. But we're not, we're not doing those things so that we get to the end goal. There's, there's, there's never an end. Do y'all, do y'all get that? Like we're going for 500 at Easter. And I think we're going to get it and then some. But the end goal is to reach them out there with what we have in Jesus. It's, it's not to reach a certain number. And so I have to ask myself this question. Am I part of the body or am I looking at them and just letting them go through the motion? Because the truth is, there's a huge, huge problem in this world. And it's the fact that so many people are miserable in their lives because they don't have the truth of the gospel inside of them. And a lot of you do. And if you don't, stick with me because I've got some awesome news coming. But if you do, like if Jesus is is the center of your life, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then this is for each and every one of you. And we have to consider these things. So I want you to write down two notes this morning. I got two notes of of how being united, how we are four points is not a, I am four points. This is not my church. And if you walk out of here and don't think, hear anything else I say, I declare this before God. This is not Mark Pangle's church. Just because God called me with a few friends to start a church does not mean this is my church. At any moment, he could take it away, and this is his church. So what we're saying is we are God's church by saying we are four points. We are saying we are God's church, and together, collectively, we will accomplish the mission that we believe he set out to do and he set for us out to do. And so I I just want to give you two things of why I believe Unity is as important, if not more important, than any of the other guardrails we did, especially when it comes to getting together. And the first one is the need is great. The need is great. There's a huge need out there. And listen, it'd be like this. And this is what I thought about. I didn't say this in the first service. But, like, what if we walked out and we found out that, like, the plague, like the black plague or way back in the day, y'all remember this in history, like the bubon or whatever they called it, plague, the, the horrible plagues that wipe out everybody, I don't remember what it's called, but y'all just go with it. Y'all know what I mean, right? Okay, it's good. Like three of y'all got it. But anyway, if a horrible plague was out there and we could cure it, we had like the prescription and we had an unlimited supply in our basement. Imagine just sitting there saying, I'm comfortable. I got enough people in my house. Go die. Because none of us would do that. So we have to look out at the world and say it's much worse than the plague. It's much worse. You say, that's preacher talk, bro. I've heard people say that my whole life. It's not. It's not. Like from the bottom of my heart, I hope everyone will listen to this. There is a much greater need than a plague because literally every person we come in contact with has an eternal destination, an eternal destination that is here outside of the grace of Jesus. They are all perishing all around us. And we are the mouthpiece of the Lord. And we have to decide, do we really believe that out there is is a need or do we believe it's just, whatever, bro, that's your job. I come to church. I even tithe. I'm generous with my money. But when I'm at work, do this work time. 
And when I'm at play, it's playtime. When I'm playing golf, man, I'm, I'm thinking about golf. I'm not thinking about Jesus. No, no, every minute of our lives should be filled with Jesus. I can play golf and still think about the Lord. I did it Friday. And it was awesome. So the question has to be, do I really believe that the need is great? I want to preach to you this morning, or whatever, read to you this morning from 1 Kings chapter 17. We just did the summer series, so if you're new with us today, you didn't, you didn't hear this, but if you've been a four-pointer for a long time, we did a sermon series called Mission Impossible back in the fall. And I went through the story of Elijah, and I happened to skip this middle story. So here's what happened. Elijah goes and tells the king, hey, king, there's not going to be rain, anything. It's going to dry everything up for at least three years, and it's going to be awful. And Ahab gets really mad at him, and he says, oh, I'll kill you. And God protects him and hides him in this brook called Cherith. And the ravens fed him, and the brook gave him water. But eventually the brook dried up, probably in about a year. And then God said, you need to go to Zarephath. Now, the reason that was so bad is because Zarephath was the, the place that wanted to kill him more than anywhere. They wanted him dead. These were the king's people. These were the Ahab people. These weren't God's people. And so for him to go there, it was suicide. And you have to know in his mind, he was thinking, bro, God, I'm with you and I trust you the whole way, but this is a bad idea. And so verse 10 in 1 Kings 17, so he arose and went to Zarephath. He obeyed. And when he came to the city gate, excuse me, to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks up. Can y'all picture it? She's, she's, she's there. He can see her just off in the distance and he, she's gathering sticks up. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water. Bring me a little water <coughs> in a vessel like this. Mm that I may drink it like I just did. And, she, and as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Like, am I the only one that thinks that's like really leading? Like, it, like, are you freaking serious? Like I can hear her say, who are you talking to? I'll get you some water, but why you? It doesn't say the morsel of bread in your hand. It's saying, go get me some bread. And bring it to me. And I just, when I read that, I'm like, huh, that's crazy. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing, nothing baked. Only a handful of flour. Only a handful of flour in a jar. And a little oil, little oil left in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in. And prepare it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And so this is the widow. This is what she's thinking. The need is great because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I have nothing left and I'm done. And do you not see my problem? Why would you ask me to do for other people when I've got issues right here? Like this is where all of us come in. I want you to think about this. I doubt any of you are down to your last bit of flour or oil and if you're like me, if you were, it wouldn't matter anyway because you wouldn't do anything with it because they're still McDonald's. So, like, I, you look at it and you're like, okay, that's great, but I'm not going to do anything with that. But, but imagine being this woman and, and everything that you had depended on this and you're completely out. There's nothing you can do. The need is massive because you need food and water. And you can go get water from the well, but the food is gone. The food is gone. I have no hope. My son and I will surely die tonight. What is going to happen? Why are you asking me, prophet of God, to go make me bread 
when I've told you that this is all I have? Why have you told me that? I don't get it. I don't get it. So here's the deal. Our vision is to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. Matter of fact, one day when, in our entrance when we have a sign up, it's like 24 by 36, it's going to say we are four points. We exist. We exist to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. Now, the reason that I'm so excited about that is because I believe Jesus had the exact same vision as we do. The exact same vision. How many of y'all remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus in the Bible. Zacchaeus. Y'all sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a... Is that all? Anna. Most of y'all know it. Most of y'all know it. Oh! Zacchaeus! Come! Who knew that Zacchaeus was coming out? Where's the sycamore tree? He climbed up in a sycamore. This is crazy. So... So just picture this. This is my man Zacchaeus. I don't know if y'all have met Zacchaeus. Say, hey, Zacchaeus. That's all y'all got for him. Say, hey, Zacchaeus. Y'all are not happy. I need y'all to be excited. So just imagine Zacchaeus climbed up in that tree, which it can, it's a little weird anyway, sycamore. And he wanted to see Jesus. And he got saved. And then this is what Jesus said. Thank you, Zacchaeus. I appreciate you coming. I, still, I can't see you if you're not in the tree, though. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19. He said, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. He told him, little guy, <laughs> little guy, you just got saved because salvation has come to your house. But this is the part that I get really excited about. This is the part that I get really excited about because this is why I think we line up with Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the what? What's that word? Lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Listen, did Jesus come to die on the cross? Of course. Did he accomplish the mission that was set before him in the Old Testament? He accomplished everything. Of course. But Jesus told Zacchaeus, I came to seek and to save the lost. Now, if that was his vision, how much more should it be our vision? Like everything he did was scripted out. He didn't do anything by accident. And can you just imagine if we went through life and we just thought, am I seeking to save the lost with what I'm about to say, with what I'm about to do, with how that I'm about to act, with the business decision that I'm about to make, with the golf shot that I just made. And I'm not saying if we hit an eight iron to 10 feet, that's doing it. I'm saying if we hit an eight iron in the creek, what you say next will show the world what you think. And if you ever want to know, just go play golf with somebody. Just don't make it me because I don't want y'all to know. So I, I just, listen. We tell the world, we tell the world if we believe this or not by what we say and do. I can, hashtag, we are four points all day long. And to the world, it's just hot air. Everything we're trying to create is a culture where people want to come in and they want to say, I want some of this. That pastor's a little bit crazy. He speaks okay, but the band is thinking awesome. But every person that I talk to, they're so nice. What is it? Well, the need is great, and we know Jesus, and we want the world to know Jesus. Like, like it's about all of us. The message has been preached for an hour now, because y'all got here at 10 till, and you've been hearing the message for an hour. It doesn't start when this loud mouth preaches, because if it is, I'm bouncing around. Is that all you've got? It's but a scratch. But when we are together, we're an army, and people look at us and say, 
Why are they so united? They seem to love each other. What is it about them? What is it about them? Guys, I'm telling you, no one, no one wants to change the world. Not one of us want to change the world like Jesus does. Not one of us. And I'm telling you, I want to really bad. I've put my whole life into this place. I'm all in. And I want to change the world so bad with you together. But nowhere near as bad is the one who came to seek and to save the lost that gave his life for us that while I was still a sinner, when I was absolutely desperate, when I was desperate, Romans 5 verse 6, at just the right time he came and took my penalty because God demonstrated his love for us that while he was still a sinner, while I was still a sinner, he died for me and he died for you. Not nearly as bad as the guy that, that took nails and his hands and feet, not nearly as bad as, as he wants this world to be saved, I promise. And so then, then the question has to become, why, why don't we? Why don't we? Why, why do more churches not reach thousands of people with the gospel? Because can I be honest with you? 500 is something I'm excited about, and I know we're going to do it, and I'm almost embarrassed that that's all it is. Because the need is great. I'm not embarrassed that, that if we have 500, I'm going to try to do a cartwheel. And y'all are going to laugh because I'm going to fall on my face. I'll be so stinking excited. We're praying that 50 people trust Jesus as Savior. If that happens, I will accomplish a cartwheel at some point. I don't know how it's going to look. But the need is much greater. I believe in the, in the time that we have this church that thousands of people are going to get saved. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because God, this is not the point, but I want you to get this. God will Bless four points at the point that he can give us his anointing. God will bless four points at the point that he can give us his anointing. Now, I want you to consider you just one second when we throw up verse, uh, point number two. God, we must take the lid off the container. God, do you really see what I got to work with? Like, look at this, man. Like, this is, this is it. Like, seriously, when I hear those people sing, oh my gosh, and play their instruments, holy cow, that's not me. That's not me. If it's Mark and Brian and Shannon, okay? Mark and Brian and Shannon, can we get some things done? Uh, sure, sure, we can get some things done. But what happens when it's a lot of us? Can you, can you picture the part of the story right here? Can you picture part of the story right here in 1 Kings? He, he's just said, go do this for me. She's like, I'm going to die. I want you to know that this sticks and this bread and everything is where I'm going to die. So, so here's where we'll pick up in verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear. I said, I'm not them. I don't, I'm not oil. I'm not the one that speaks. I know that, that I'm going to die and the people need the bread of life that Jesus gives, like he said in John chapter 8, that I'm the bread of life. That you can eat all you want, but once you eat of me and you understand what it means that you're filled. And I know in John 7 and in John 4, he called himself the living water. But I'm not really the one that gives them the bread and the water. Mark is, listen carefully. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. We all speak the message, but he gives the life. Mark does nothing except loud mouth without all of us. He gives the life. He's the life giver. The Holy Spirit dwells in here 
If this is a place that we exist to be about God, to make much of Jesus, and he is the life giver, Mark does nothing like that. All I'm doing is what I think I'm supposed to do. But at the point that I say, listen, I'm fearful because look what I have. Go and do as you have said, but first make me some cake. Make me a little cake and, of it and, and bring it to me. So you know in her mind she's thinking, what are you, I just told you we're going to die. Why are you telling me to bring some cake? And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. And thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour, this jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Can you imagine? Like you have no idea how long that's going to last. Can you imagine what that must have been like? I mean, you're out. You know you're about to die. And the prophet of God says, just calm down. I got this. Actually, just calm down. God's got this. I would have gone to my basement and started gathering all the jars. Holy cow. I got this little one, but I want the oil to fill in everywhere. Let's gather everything that we can. I bet her family did. Don't y'all think? I bet her family started gathering jars. I bet they had a jar party. Collecting containers. I bet they had containers lined up everywhere. Because listen, if God is filling up the oil, I want some of that. Who else does? Somebody say amen if that's what we want. I want some of that. I want some of that. I don't want to look at what I can do. Because it's probably, this is probably overstating what I can accomplish on my own. This is probably overstating it. But I want some of that. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days, probably two years. The jar of flour was not spent. Never. Neither the jug of oil become Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that day. He spoke by Elijah. Can you imagine? Can you stinking imagine what that must be like? To be in a situation where you know you have no hope on your own. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I have been there. That's why we're happy. That's why we have joy. It's not because we're crazy. And people may think so, but that's okay. I don't care if everybody thinks we're crazy if it's because of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, they looked at Peter and they said, the people outside, and they were like, they're drunk and it's 9 a.m. They can't get drunk yet. That's supposed to happen at 5. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? That's what they're saying. They're saying, that's too early. And he said, no, it's the Holy Spirit. He fills me. I've got to decide this. Will I take the jar off? Will I take the jar off? Or will I leave it on? Because guys, each one of you are a vessel. Second, second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Right after he says, once you've trusted Christ, the veil comes off. And people see you and they see glory to glory to glory. And then he says this, Paul. Each one of you, you're a jar of clay. Each one of you, your life is a jar of clay. Someday, God's going to call me home and my jar of clay is going to stay here, either burned up or in a casket, whatever we decide. But while it's here, it is the container in which I can hold the Holy Spirit of the living God. And I decide every single day, will I be filled with Him? 
Will I be filled with Him and His overflow and His anointing? Will I let the Holy Spirit fill my life to the point of overflow? To the point of overflow. What did it say? It said, until there was rain, so it provided. They never ran out. Or will I look at my circumstances, my past failures, and who I am? Will I look at the fact that I'm not as good as some of the guys I watch on the internet? I'm not as good of a leader. Can I really lead a church, God? We feel down and lowly about ourselves because we're not what we wish we were. Guess what? You're exactly what God wants you to be. You are made precious in the image of God. Mark, I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm not the color that I wish I was. I wish I was darker. Look at me. How can God use me? I'm telling you, you're right. Until we give God everything and we do this. I'm open to you. Take me wherever you want me. Fill my life. Holy Spirit, lead me. And I'm telling you guys, this is an everyday event in our life. Everyday event. Everyday event. Because this is what happens when we don't get tired and stop doing that. Galatians 6, verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing for, of doing good, for in due season we will reap. We will reap if we do not give up. So many of you guys this morning, you've wanted to do what's right in Jesus. You've wanted to be filled with him. And something happened, a horrible event, a bad circumstance, a death in the family. I don't know what it is in your personal life, but I'm telling you, do not get tired and grow weary for doing what God has called you to do because the reward is coming. We just cannot get tired. No matter what your circumstances are, and I know some of them are awful. Some of them are so bad I can't understand. Guys, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He came, listen, to seek me and you. There's no one else. There's no one else on the planet that is more preciously made than you. You were made in the image of God, like Genesis 1:27 said. There's no mistake. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm begging you to consider where you are with Jesus and understand this. I believe this more today than I ever have in my life is God is my witness. God doesn't need Mark to accomplish his mission. He, he chooses to use this guy that is filthy rags, flesh and blood, and he's changing me, and I feel it, to be more like him so that the world sees it. But it doesn't matter what I do, it matters what he does through me because eventually the oil runs out if it's all on me. But if I open the cap up and I say, I want the lid to come off, there is no limit to the anointing that the Holy Spirit has. What if all of us take our lids off and say, God, we want to accomplish something greatly. I used to think when I was a little kid, I don't know if y'all ever done this. Man, if Michael Jordan would just get saved. This was in the 90s when I was a teenager. MJ was doing his thing, winning six out of eight championships, and it would have been an eight-peat if he hadn't quit. And I was just thinking, man, I thought this whole time. Man, what if he would get saved, man? What if MJ would get saved? There's guys today that we say the same thing. What if, what if LeBron knew Jesus, man? He could, he could touch so many people. Can I tell you something right now? They need Jesus. Jesus doesn't need them. They need God as desperately as we do. There's a real place called hell. There's a need. We all have the solution. 
we must decide if we will stand pat and say, I'm comfortable, we're full, go to hell. Or if I'll say, no, feel me, feel me. To be honest with you, that's the only two solutions. There's only two choices. I'm comfortable, we're full, go to hell. Or live to tell the world what Jesus did in our lives, where you work, where you live, where you hang out, where you have family time, where you have every time, that everyone sees the joy that I have in Jesus and knows that he's made the difference, not me. That it's not, I don't stand up here and preach so you think I'm good. I stand up here and preach because I'm alive in Jesus and we're free. And my job is not more important than the guy that was opening doors this morning or waving people in. I'm asking each one of you to consider this right now. When I was a little boy, I prayed a prayer. And uh, I don't know if I meant it or not. I think I did. But I never really gave my heart to Jesus until two weeks before my 17th birthday. And this is how I did it. I laid on the floor on the, on the 12th or 13th, I can't remember what floor, at Huntington, West Virginia, at Marshall University on a mission trip. I was leading people to Jesus. I laid on the floor and I just wept. And this is why. I realized that I had never given my heart truly to Jesus. I had played games, but I knew Bible verses. I knew the whole, all the books of the Bible. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. But like to truly give my heart and life to Jesus, no, it had never happened. And so the truth is my life was never open to the Holy Spirit filling me because I was closed. I had knowledge, but not a relationship with Jesus. This is not about religion. This is not about even joining our church, and I'd love for you to stay and do Jenny's class. She's an amazing teacher, and we want you to be part of Four Points because we are Four Points, all of us. But that's not what this is about. What this is about is truly saying, Jesus, I realize what I've done. Lied, cheated, stolen, used your name in vain. I'm a blasphemer. I deserve hell. I deserve everything about hell. I surrender it all to you. I give you my life. I give you my life. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross. And I'm telling you, I prayed something like that. There's nothing magical in a prayer. I didn't have a preacher that day. I just said, Jesus, I want you to have my life. And I believe that day I was saved in July of 1997. I'm asking you guys right now, two questions. One, do you know for sure that you're saved? Do you know for sure that you're saved? And if not, will you allow God to change you? That is the entire reason we exist for you. That is the entire reason we exist for you. And then for every person that says you are saved, I want you to move. I want you to move. I'm not saying you have to come to the front. I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to change you because I'm telling you, I, I believe this, thousands of people in our community over the next 30 years if God keeps me alive that long, thousands of people, we are gonna see thousands saved. This is not where our permanent church location will be a few years from now, why? Because it's us being used by Him because the only limit we have to our church is how much anointing we have of God, not of Mark. And as soon as we're full, we will change this community forever. I'm asking y'all to open the jars and be filled with the Spirit. Will you pray with me? First question, and we'll do this fast with your eyes closed and then your head bowed. I want you to raise your hand as high as you can for me. How many of you know for sure? Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, I know that I know that I know that, um, that I'm a Christian. There's no doubt in my mind I've given my giving my heart to Jesus. I'm sure that I'm saved. I have, I have surrendered all to Jesus. Just raise them up and then keep them up for me. If you know for sure you're saved, keep them up. 
Just be honest. Don't do it because someone else did. Don't look around. Just be honest because this is your opportunity. I know for sure, Pastor Mark. I know for sure, Pastor Mark. Thank you. Put your hands down. Just real quick, I saw probably four people that didn't have their hands raised. On the count of three, with your head bowed and your eyes closed. On the count of three, I want you to just say this. Pastor Mark, I want Jesus right now. I know my need. I need to surrender to God. And on the count of three, I just want you to slip your hand up as high as you can. One, two, three. One, two, three. Raise it up. Keep 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 it as high as you can, if you will. Keep it up. We had two people. Will you raise your hand back up? One right here and one right here. We got someone coming to you. Keep your hand up. We got someone coming right now. We got someone coming right now. This is what I want you to do. We're going to ask you to fill this card out and go back to our guest services. Who else? Who else? Someone else raised their hand over here on this side. Who else raised their hand? All right. This is what we want to do. We want you to fill that card out. We want you to come back to our guest services. Everybody else in the room, look at me right now. Hey, look, almost all of us are saying that we know Jesus. Almost all of us are saying that I know Jesus. He's my Savior. Here's the question. How many of you will stand up with me as an army right now, right now, and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want everyone to know. I don't want them to hear it. I don't want them to see it on Facebook only. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want everyone to see what I am and what he is in me. I don't mind people knowing that I'm filthy. That what I used to be was not godly because it's not about me, it's what he did in me. But most importantly, what I want people to know is I want to talk about this a lot more. They could take a lot of things from me. People out there, they are much smarter than us, some of them, but they can't take what God did inside of you. They can't take the Holy Spirit out of you. We will change the world if you will stand and you will say, I will take the lid off and I will be an open vessel to what God is going to do in my life. And so I just invite you right now, if you want to change the world with us, it is not a Mark thing, it is not a staff thing, it is an us thing. If you want to change the world with us, I'm just inviting you to stand to your feet right now. If you're a guest with us, you can stand anyway. Even if you never come back, I'm inviting you to stand to your feet right now and say, I will be a part of the movement of God because it's what we can contain from God's power, it is not about a speaker or a band. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God wants to change this community more than we ever thought about it. It's up to us to allow him to change us to change the world. As soon as we try to do it on our own, the lid is on and we're done. You be Jesus to somebody this week. God, we're so pumped and we believe that you're going to change the world through us and now we raise our hands and we worship you through our spirits, through our lives, through everything that we do. Like We want you to know that we love you and we know you want to change the world more than we do. So God, use us. Use nobodies. Use people that feel like we're not good enough because God, we know we're not, but you are. Greater is you that is within us than he that is within the world. We believe that and we claim it in Jesus' name. Amen.